1: Hello, listener. This is Toons and Tumblr's producer, Drew. If you're just joining us through the Pantheon Network, welcome. And if you've been with us for a long time, welcome back. For this Time Capsule episode, I chose our interview with Joshua Spears. You know, I try to keep these episodes under an hour, but I have to confess, I absolutely love it when I fail at that. This 75-minute interview is so... Full of incredible insights, stories, and discussions, I just couldn't leave any of it on the cutting room floor. Also, don't tell any of our other guests. But Joshua brought probably my favorite ID we've ever had, so keep an ear out for that. Please enjoy this Toons and Tumblers time capsule responsibly. Cheers.
0: Welcome to Tunes and Tumblers by Atwood Magazine. Listening to music is more than just an auditory experience. Tunes and Tumblers explores the way our senses mingle by pairing new and classic albums with cocktail recipes. We invite you to bring out your inner mixologist as we approach the music we love from a unique, immersive, and thoroughly delicious perspective. So put up your feet and enjoy a cold one on us. I'm your host, Anthony, and today is a big day for me. I moved my podcast recording studio from one room in my house to another, which is the equivalent of an overseas trip in COVID times. I'm already pretty jet lagged. But before I take my early morning nap, it's time for us to bring you lovelies, the TNT jams and delectable cocktail pairings you've all grown to love. Please enjoy responsibly. As we all know, drinking alone is a sad, sad business, so I opened a Zoom meeting and waited for a few random strangers to wander into it, and they are... Hey, how you
1: doing? My name's Cliff. I'm, uh... No, uh, this is, uh, Ryan,
2: your music connoisseur,
1: as always, as ever. (laughs) And Pedro, your mixologist. And
0: I'm really excited about today's guest... He's a blue-collar rock songwriter from Delaware who's lived every life from that of a pottery apprentice and a carpenter to a baseball coach and an assistant to a governor. He's been described as a hopeless romantic who looks like a walking black-and-white Herb Ritz portrait and Dean Moriarty come to life. He released not one, but two debut EPs in 2020, while the rest of us were trying to figure out how Zoom works. TNT fam, please welcome Joshua Spears to
3: the pod. Woo!
4: Woo.
3: Hey Josh. Hey, hey. That was Thank great. you for
0: joining us.
3: Thank you for saying all those nice things.
0: <laughs> That's my job. I gotta make everyone sound good. <laughs> Otherwise they won't want to come back.
3: It's true. Very true. How,
0: how excited are you to watch Pedro mix a cocktail that you can't share right now? I'm so, <laughs> I'm so
3: it's gonna be so much fun and for the listeners at home, I'm drinking an ice cold Budweiser, which I don't know if you have to blur, if you have to beep out the name of that. Because um, it's not sponsored, but whatever Pedro makes, will I'll just taste it as Budweiser, but I'm sure it's going to be good. <laughs> Sponsor Beautiful. as Budweiser.
0: Well, it's been yet another week of solitude, and I think we should catch up a little. What have y'all been listening
3: to? Who's going first? Ryan, let's hear it.
2: <laughs> All right, yeah. I've been listening to the brand new album from The Weather Station, which was just released today Uh, on Fat Possum Records. It's called Ignorance. And she's someone who's had a really interesting career, has a style that's really evolved, um, kind of from sparse singer-songwriter pieces to lush string arrangements. And uh, I particularly like the album opener, Robber. It's kind of this interesting kind of moody, jazzy piece with lyrics, um, you know, that end up being a metaphor about the failures of capitalism, which we love here. (laughs) And uh, so really liking that one. And I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn a lot of heads. Cool.
0: Well, let's see. I guess I will go next. I've been in a very special place the, the past week. I have been listening on a loop to uh, our previous guest, Dent May. Um, his album uh, that we discussed, which was Late Checkout. A lot of um, lo-fi, uh, breezy, kind of uh, atmospheric vibes a little bit. It just feels like I'm outside in a place with my friends and we're just having a chill kickback. Um, and yeah, I think like I've needed that. I've just been kind of working on my apartment and painting a lot and just feeling like there's so much work to do. And Dent just took me out of it um, just for a little bit. I got nothing uh, Dent, done. thank you so much.
3: <laughs> Damn, that sounds pretty good. I don't know. I've, I haven't <laughs> listened. I still haven't listened to the weather station. Um record which i'm stoked for but i'm writing down dent uh dent may is that right yeah
0: that's him all right he has uh what's what's your favorite album of his personally because i know you're a big fan that's
1: tough (laughs) um that's really tough i don't know if i have a favorite i don't know if i could say i have a favorite album i I really love them all because they're i just love them all for different reasons but like songs that always stick with me the most are like across the multiverse meet me in the garden and of course bungalow heaven but yeah i don't i I like all of Dent May's work, I can't really pick a favorite. I won't pick a favorite. <laughs> can't and
2: will not. Can't but Josh, won't. uh, Dent is also uh, a big hotel guy, you know. We understand that Summerland is uh refers to a hotel. Mm, Dent's yes, a does. big hotel guy. I mean this nice. guy could speak to you all day about hotels.
3: I miss hotels. Desperately miss hotels. I've been reading this book, um, Well, I'll talk. I can talk about the book later. We should continue with the (laughs) with the music stuff. I'm gonna get off topic. What have you been listening to, Josh? Josh? Recently, I've uh, it's been like kind of a early alternative rock kick for me. So like the replacements, and then the like Paul Westerberg solo records are so good. And these like I someone had told me a couple years ago that. They, they, a compliment that I really didn't understand until recently or appreciate until recently. She had said, Oh, you, I, I can tell from your songs, you must listen to the replacements. You, you write songs like they do. And I was like, No, I'm sorry, I don't listen to the replacements. And now I, now I'm like, Holy shit, that was one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. Um, so those records, something about being stuck inside just like loud guitars with like classic pop. Melodies, Um, so the replacements, Paul Westberg stuff, and then like Sun Volt and Old Ninety Sevens, like that kind of era of like sloppy guitars, but really, really surgical lyrics and like really, really sharp writing. So that's I've been deep in that. Boy, surgical lyrics, yeah. They're so they're so good. I, I was reading about this. Jason Isbell wrote a preface or like a liner notes for a reissue of Sunvolt's record Trace and that made so much sense to me as like those two artists kind of linked to each other I mean Jason Isbell is is so heralded as like such a sharp country lyricist and I feel like people don't always pay that much attention to lyrics in in that in that era of like alternative rock um mm. it's more about like swagger or bands or albums but they're all so good. I mean, the replacements, too. Like, And Paul Westberg's solo records are t- so sharp. I got to agree with that.
0: There's a lot going on there. I'm going to have to add a lot to my uh, my listening queue. <laughs> uh, so thanks for sharing, Josh.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Of course. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling a little thirsty. What do you say we head into the bar? Let's do it. Let's I like do that this. idea. I'm ready. And ordinarily, I would have you show your ID to our, uh, our bouncer, Gerald Highwater, but uh, he is missing, and we've had to hire someone new. <laughs> Ryan, who have we hired to take his place?
2: Uh, Tarek Olson II is a guy who is mostly doing work. He got an offer from a tech company to be a Wi-Fi hotspot out <laughs> in the San Gabriel Valley. <laughs> That's a good gig. Um, That's a good gig. It, it, <laughs> Great, great work if you can get it uh, <laughs> but we, um, we lured him over to the bar because still missing Gerald Highwater has not gotten back to us and so um, yeah this guy seemed like a great fit you know sort of he had a darkness to him sort of uh, maybe someone you'd find in an A.A. Bondi song so he's the new guy
0: <laughs> and we definitely did not tell him about the hell that we put Gerald Highwater through I don't think that he would come into this job never negotiate against
2: yourself
1: <laughs> was, Very he was, true. He was and, willing to he was willing to be a human hotspot. I don't think he cares all that much. <laughs> we only find the most interesting people
0: to work at this bar. But anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Josh, did you bring an ID we can
3: show this walking human hotspot? I did all right for the listeners at home that can't see this on Zoom, I don't know if you guys can see this, but I've started wearing this necklace again recently. It's two pieces it's these two little parts it's kind of hard to see what it is but i i have an old motorcycle and i crashed on it about about this time like 4 years ago and somehow like after the crash i was miraculously okay um got launched it's an old it's a 1969 honda and the front brake locked on me so Ooh. i got tossed um oh. and fortunately oh my skidded to a stop before crossing into oncoming traffic but somehow like i kind of went into like as you do in moments like that sort of like an adrenaline overload um and effectively like blacked out but sometime later that day i realized that i had this i had something in my pocket and it was a piece of the broken uh blinker my like tail light indicator oh shit um just mm. like a beautiful kind of orange piece of plastic. Um, and I kept to like keeping it in my pocket. It became like this, this good luck charm. And then a friend of mine who's a jeweler uh, made this little backing plate for it um, that kind of hangs behind it and gives it a little jingle jangle. Uh, That's awesome. So I've been, wearing, I've been wearing that as like it's my talisman that keeps me, keeps the evil spirits away from me that try to throw me across the highway. That is Love incredible. That. Wow. Well, Beautiful. Well, I'm glad that you're still here. Me too. The bike survived too. It didn't make it out to the West Coast. It's back in Massachusetts. Um, it'll. I don't know if I'll bring it out here. There are a few more cars out here than there are in <laughs> western rural Western Massachusetts, which scares me. But it wasn't the cars that, that uh, tried to kill me. It was the bike itself. So we'll see. You got to tame that bike like a wild
0: horse. And you try. You can try. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, But now that we're in the bar, I think it's time we listen to something. Ryan, what are we putting on the jukebox today?
2: Well, with the blessing of Tarek, we are listening to Summerland, the latest EP from singer-songwriter Joshua Spears, released in September 2020 on Warner Records. Nice.
0: Yeah, and it's already kind of putting me in this nostalgic place, kind of like you're having this memory Of something that never happened to you at least that's the feeling that I get listening to this EP and I'm wondering what Pedro has
1: to go along with it so from some of the extra info I got from you Josh you know about about this EP you spoke about uh, you know your relationship to the East Coast especially after having you know just moved over here um, to the West Coast and uh, you, you pointed out a couple other things and out of the whole EP I mean I love I love all the songs. The the one that just stood out to me that really like got me thinking about a drink was Thunder Blanket. I just thought it was perfect and I thought it went with the theme and you pointed out that you like Tanqueray gin. I love Tanqueray gin, so nice. I see, I see you. All right, so this cocktail it, it is called a Thunder Blanket. That's sort of where I sort of worked Ooh, backwards from the name actually.
3: This sounds good.
1: Uh, so, it's sort of a play on a on a gin fizz, which is a pretty classic cocktail. Um, so it's Tanqueray gin, lime and lemon juice put together, and then an egg white to give it sort of that um, that thick foam, which is you know, sort of the, the blanket really on the drink. Mm. Um, and it also sort of it worked for me because you were mentioning, you know, being in San Francisco and waking up every morning, seeing that thick fog. I just loved that that imagery. Um, so I kind of wanted to, to get that in there as well. Um, and then you, you said that you spent a lot of time in New Hampshire as a kid. Um, the gin fizz usually calls for simple syrup, but instead I'm using maple syrup as sort of a nod to in New Hampshire. Incredible. Um, and then, so yeah, getting all that fizz in there and then throwing some sparkling water in it um, just to give it some more volume. And then uh, for a garnish, I cut uh, lemon peel into uh, a lightning bolt and just dropped it on top. So it t- sort of turns it into that thundercloud.
4: Yes! Uh, there is <laughs> a pi- there,
1: there's a picture of it in the chat if you want to look. It's Incredible. pretty cool. Um, so, this is yeah, amazing. This is a... Under blanket for joshua wow experience. it wow. sounds so
0: delicious and
1: here i am
0: with my raspberry white claw <laughs> <laughs> trying to pretend that
3: i'm there with y'all man no I shame mean, in the claw this, this Budweiser tastes to... amazing but uh that sounds good
2: wow i regret to inform you that it is indeed very good <laughs> oh
1: you got one
2: Son no, of i a... did i did um
1: well because yeah he's like you know he's in the room next to me but um yeah, to That's, any any listeners who maybe have been a little too intimidated to try out a cocktail from the show, this one's crazy easy. Just just do it. Try it out. It's really and
3: good. let's point out it's very important that you use uh, New Hampshire maple syrup. None of that bullshit Vermont stuff that they exactly. try to the pawn on you. Get that out of here. Don't Get be a don't be a chump. Right. Don't Get be a chump. Right here, New Hampshire. Uh, that sounds amazing. Funny story about Thunder Blanket. Um, when I wrote that song, my managers were like, because a, a Thunder Blanket is. It is there. It's a product or a thunder shirt that you use for dogs mm-hmm. to like when when dogs are really afraid of of thunderstorms. Um, you it's like a tight shirt that like wraps them up and uh, helps their anxiety. And my managers were like, "You we can't have this song called Thunder Blanket. It's like basically like a song about like a snuggie or or like a chamois cloth. Like this is really, no one's gonna take this song seriously. This is insane." <laughs> And I was like, "You guys are so wrong. This is it has to be called Thunder Blanket because, like, what a beautiful thing to be for someone the the, right. shirt, the blanket that wraps you up when the when the storms are scaring you." Yeah, um, that's
1: more that's more what I thought than anything else. Yeah, especially exactly. you know with everything you're talking about. Um, yeah, and it's I mean the drink itself it's it's got that foam on top. It's really it's it's nice and soft and it's like it's sweet. It's also tangy. It's comforting. I Dang. mean, whatever they told you, you just had a drink made, it, like because of it. So that's awesome. I love,
3: <laughs> I love the lightning bolt um, garnish as well. That's perfect. Thank you. Drink thank free you. or die. Oh. <laughs> Cheers to that. Drink free or die, everyone. Incredible.
0: Cheers. <laughs> Cheers.
2: Cheers, guys.
4: <laughs> Clink.
0: I'd like to start. Um, today's conversation with a quote that I read of yours, Josh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've said that Summerland is a real and physical destination, but also a more abstract window of time and season and feelings. I'd like to get into that a little bit. What did you mean when, about that?
3: I think in my mind, it can be really helpful to have like a place that you step into almost like a place that you situate your songs. Um, and, um. Now more than ever, I want to be transported by songs. Um, I want to go somewhere where it feels like there are, a, there's a set of rules and like colors and like a a palette. Um, so it doesn't. It's it's never you know terribly concrete in my head, but but there is like some kind of space and naming the album after a place a a motel that I, i had stayed in um allowed it allowed me to like think of it like a destination and of course like in my head it was not the place that i stayed but it but that was sort of the stepping point that was like the vehicle to get me to this like place where i could fill in these songs and and write this world um so, and I guess zooming out further, that is all just like a mechanism to get the creativity moving. I think as artists, like we come up with all these roadblocks of why we can and can't write um, things that get in our way. And it can be so helpful to like trick yourself into it of like, oh, I, I know how to write that song or I can write those songs. Like because I've created this world, it makes it that much easier if, uh, if that makes any sense at all.
0: So kind of like creating a space in which these things
3: can kind of happen on their own? Yeah, or just like creating a place to write. I don't know. I just like I see the songs in a world in my head, whether or not that world, like I don't need it to look exactly the same for every person. But Summerland was a place of, I think as I had mentioned to one of y'all before about like... The Terrence Malick film, Badlands, um, the colors of that mm. of that film and like the grain of it as well. And it's blue jeans and white T-shirts and big open farm country and trees overhanging sidewalks in in the town. And then like dark nights with kind of like purple, orange sunsets that type of like reckless youthful abandon of running away into the woods and and kind of running out on your own it's all of it's all of those things like that's that's the kind of like physical space that i see it in my head yeah i i love
0: the imagery that you play with there i when i was younger and i wrote more prose i would often set my stories someplace like that or just like out in the desert somewhere just like Kind of wide openness, but also like kind of drip like uh, drenched in a little bit of melancholy at the same time mm-hmm. and to to finish the quote that you said, drawing you back to something that you said a long time ago that maybe you don 't remember, uh, you said that uh, summerland is optimism just barely holding off a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you get into a little bit what that means to
3: you? I mean, first and foremost, the songs all come from from the experience of of my Life and that was the that was the period of of those songs. Um, it was the optimism of um, of moving out to L.A. of of leaving, being a, a hired gun bass player on tour with other bands. But it was also about you know relationships falling apart, an epic, particularly epic breakdown um, and breakup uh, that were all kind of tied into each other. And a recognition, too, that, like, you know, you're never just happy in the same way that you're never just sad. Those They're always tied to each—they're always all part of each other. It's always part of almost the same thing. And trying to write songs that reflected that, that, you know, it's like a song that's just happy feels kind of ridiculous. Because when is anyone ever, you know, only happy? I think you can be happy in lots of other things. You can be anxious and happy. You can be tired and happy, pissed off and happy. They're they're all contained in uh together.
0: Isn't that the plot of Inside
3: Out? Ooh. <laughs> good. Wow, great film reference. Did you guys see Soul? Did you did everybody yeah. see Soul? Oh yeah. That, that was don't like... you think don't you think that I feel like you couldn't Soul made more sense or with like the ice was broken by inside out oh yeah that that type of like uh super meta really esoteric kids movie Mm -hmm. was like the ice was broken by by inside out and then soul really like drove it home and i think did it even better Soul soul would have come out of absolutely nowhere if we didn't have inside out totally totally would
0: have thought that the guys who made toy story would create this existential kids film about finding your spark
3: and becoming uh okay with mortality it's so good it's so good i mean that the the section like the the sequence towards the end of the film when when they really he's like kind of thinking he's he's, exactly (laughs) big spoiler for all the kids listening um you the the sequence where they just like he's reflecting on his life and they just show different portraits of like New York and the and the leaves and the trees coming back to terrence malick that felt so much to me like any of his movies but like the tree of life um specifically where there's like maybe a little bit of dialogue over it but it's almost like presented like a longer prose poem and and just these like sequences where you just feel the whole weight of the images sweep over you I thought was so cool
0: I'm going to pause really quick I'm sure you heard the dog I'm going to take care of him really quick sorry everyone I don't want to have him keep interrupting (laughs) no Anthony it's on
2: purpose remember because Josh samples a dog on his record (laughs) That's,
3: that's a great point I've gotten a lot of use out of that sample too and there's actually okay so there's the dog sample there's actually a kitty litter sample too i'm talking anthony i'm talking about so there's a dog sample on um on get what you need um there's i've used that sample a bunch sometimes just like tucked in behind a symbol um there's a kitty litter sample that i've used a whole lot too that i was cat i was cat sitting for a friend of mine and her cat's kitty litter was in like an empty her roommate had just moved out so it was in this like empty bedroom and it was like kind of like crunchy like chunky kitty litter and so if you hit it with like the pooper scooper it had this incredible reverb in this room but there's like perfect crunch to it so i've used this kitty litter it's in my it's in my phone in my voice memos as like uh litter box drums i think and it's such a good it's such a good uh snare sound um i've used it on a whole lot of songs um i'm probably can't remember which ones but i'm sure on summerland it's in there Next, is, can next album is brought to you by <laughs> yeah, Next exactly. album
1: is going to be brought to you by Fresh Step
0: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect that... for
2: Foley artists Perfect for music I was, I'm so glad you mentioned that Josh Because I was going to ask you about other samples Because the dog one just sure. kind of an inspired mm-hmm. idea
3: Yeah that We like I think pitched it up um, Added some other effects on it um, Sorry I cut you off Continue what No you?
2: Just big silly. No, I I thought that was I thought that was brilliant. I was wanting to know more about other samples and you you revealed a yeah. way way the cooler litter, one.
3: The litter box one, litter box drums is is around um I'm trying to think of other I remember taking a recording outside of Penn Station um of these guys hawking umbrellas. Um and this guy had this really beautiful cadence just like Umbrella, 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 saying it over and over and over again, and I grab my phone and I keep <laughs> the, um, you know how you like swipe up on an mm. iPhone to like turn on your camera or flashlight. I keep the voice memo one on mm. that too, so you can like quick draw um, and grab a a sample of something. So I I don't know if that song, no, that song hasn't come out, um, but on. On this, there's a song that comes out um, at the end of the month on February 26th um, that has a recording of, in the end of it, there's a recording of when I was moving out of my house when I lived in Western Massachusetts of my, you can hear my housemate doing dishes in the background. And then I slam my now empty bedroom that I had just moved out of. And it, again, like empty apartment, tons of reverb. So the door slams and that's what ends the song. Um Mm. but i love stuff like that and then you know then for me the song is so tied to that place and trying to keep infusing these songs and make them really records of this moment in my life by infusing them with sounds from the spaces that are the spaces of my life right now um that feels really important to me i just think that it's so cool that you'll Find um,
0: these samples out in the wild. I think it kind of plays into the, the naturalism of of the themes in your music. Like we're talking about setting Summerland in a time or place, and and you're really taking things from time and
3: place and putting them in. It's not all abstract. Yeah, and no, it's it's um it's it's usually it's less thought out than that. It's usually just like, hey, that sounds cool. Um, or that's an interesting sound, or just you know something grabs your attention. It's almost more like a fidget than something thought out. Um, but I use the the voice memos um, as much as probably any app on my phone, um, especially for like demoing songs out and you know sometimes those those demos make it to the to the final recording that way but there's i just like the immediacy of the voice memos and i also like something about the compression and the iphone sounds really really nice to me
1: Yeah, i like that what
3: you're capturing
1: there are these little details that are just sort of they're only something that you would mm-hmm. take note of you know what i mean yeah and th- those are often those are often to me the strongest memories it's never like a big event i mean i mean those are big memories as well but some of the strongest memories are these tiny fleeting moments like where there's just a detail, a light light hitting something the right way or the sound of something. And that's, I I feel like that's really powerful.
3: I think you're totally right. Um, I'm definitely inspired by those little moments. And I think I'm also a really nostalgic person and I save, you know, every birthday card and letter anyone's ever written me. Um, And the Mm -hmm. voice memos is probably like a, a bit of an obsessive Um, need to save things, um, inspired by that anxiety of losing people, memento, things like that. But I also think that there's something that I've had this, I've felt this before where when making songs in the production part of the creation of the song, I have this thought like it, it comes out and this might sound crazy at first, but there's this thought that says like, oh, they'll never be able to find us here like we we'll, we have to we have to make this song and throw all of these weird kind of random things at it because no one will ever be able to like the monkeys banging on the typewriter will never be able to come up with this assemblage of sounds. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's not I guess it's a little bit obsessive about like how do we make this its own thing? Not just like splice packs and and the sounds that are kind of immediately available but like how do we push it a little bit further even if it's simple things like oh can you do that can you do that guitar take again um i just want to double it like well i'm going to completely change or or really subtly change the tone so that you it's i don't know why i think that there's this force chasing me that's going to try and recreate all of my songs and i'm trying to outsmart it and say like Oh well, I'll be able to fool him here. He won't be able to to be able to recreate this because he don't won't know what the hell that sound is. Um, mm-hmm. But something in my brain thinks that way. Hmm. I think in an
2: era of so many, there's so much, you know, like you said, you mentioned like splice stuff, like sample packs, and there's like a very real thing where in a lot of music you hear a lot of the same like kind of snare hits and mm-hmm. stuff, right? Like you recognize, oh, that's that garage band loop, and those in the know hear that and kind of go. Oh, yeah, that's the garage band loop that I have access to. <laughs> yeah, true. And well, so, I mean,
3: but give me like six more songs and I'll be like, ah, oh, there he is with that fucking dog again. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but there also seems to be an
0: immediacy there with what you're trying to do. Like, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about things being like overly planned out and, and, um, just overly complicated and at the same time you know you're just taking the things that you find in the wild and throwing them in there because it just like speaks to you in the moment do you think that perhaps like overthinking is a block
3: to creativity or how do you view that uh, it, sometimes i don't know i feel like i i overthink so much and still create it's important to know when to pull back i think it's important also to like keep people around you that can say no you're wrong i'm almost always the worst judge of my best work if that makes sense Uh, uh, it's it's like my managers are like whenever i come out of a session and i'm like i do not i'm not feeling great about that song they are like here's the next single that's the one (laughs) and i think you know some people will hear that and say like oh, he's such a pushover that like, you know, he's not the one steering his art or his manager's the ones deciding stuff. And it's not that. I think it's that we all hear with such filters in the same way that we see ourselves with such filters. Um, we see a photo and see something completely ridiculous, some insecurity projected onto it that no one else is seeing. I think the same thing happens with music. And there are plenty of songs that I hear that I write that I'm listening to with all types of insecurities or I'm just overthinking so mu- something so much. And I've been so lucky to be able to have people around me that can say, no, you're an idiot. This is, this is really good. Um, that's not what you're hearing at all. And, yeah, you have, to, you have to trust your gut. But I think you also really have to doubt your gut, too, sometimes sometimes. Mm. Yeah, sometimes you're too close to something to really get a good view of it.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Happens with this podcast all the time when we edit it. <laughs> no way, it's
2: always perfect. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Every yeah, time you're fired, Drew. We don't need you anymore. <laughs> uh, but I kind of want to go back a little bit because I, I regain, like, I jump back on my train of thought. Pedro, you were mentioning that like the little things are often what we notice and what stay with us. And Josh, I'm wondering if you've listened to a band called The Main at all?
3: The Main. No, I don't know that band. Oh, so man. They're
0: kind of like a holdover <laughs> from the Warp Tour age, and they're still mm-hmm. doing the same type of music, like power pop infused, like pop punk music. And cool. Pedro and I co wrote this article a couple of years ago for mm-hmm. Atwood Magazine, where the, back when Tunes and Tumblers was a column before we were a podcast. And yep. that's like what their music is all about. It's about creating, like you said, the time and place. Often maybe like you associate memories with it that you never quite had, but still feel really real. And I feel like Summerland is about creating that. Like you can see yourself in these songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of want to open up this question to the group. What's like a flashbulb memory that you have that maybe was something really small but still means so much. And I'm thinking, like, you and your motorcycle crash, Josh, like, that's a that's a good one. You've got that memento right there. But mm. uh, does anyone have, like, a good idea of, of something like that? Maybe not crashing catastrophically, but just <laughs> something that's stayed with you.
3: I have something that's kind of tangential to that. Um, as I moved west, um, I came off of tour um, playing with this artist named Caroline Rose and had done... Um, a couple laps to the country and a big lap through Europe with her, moved out here from tour. While that was happening, my dad was was retiring and leaving Delaware, the house where I grew up um, in Delaware. And I remember suddenly having this panic of feeling like I was desperate to gather all the memories that were contained in that house and kind of like contain these like metaphysical memories contained in this very concrete physical space. And I realized that I'd always had this feeling like, oh, I don't have to worry about those memories because the house is there and I can just go back to the house and I'll be triggered by the sound of the stair, the creaking stairs that you walk down or, or the light switch that has like a really amazing timbre that I've definitely sampled that light switch and put in songs. Um, (laughs) And I was so, I was so worried that like, shit, I'm going to, I'm going to forget all these memories or I'm not going to have access to them because like that house was this, this portal into those memories. Um, but of Mm -hmm. course, but of course the memories are all, they weren't in the house. You know, it's not like they were like stored in the attic that they're all in, in your brain or, um, or in your body. Um, but I had this like desperate feeling like shit, I have to, I have to remember everything right now before we move out of this house. Um, and yeah, it's, it freaks me out. I mean, talk about like what I was saying before of like having to sh- save every letter that anyone's ever written to me and saving these, these um, voice memos of like desperate, so terrified of losing memories. Mm.
0: Well, I think mine is not going to be good to follow that one up. It's,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, have an, I, have a, I have one to follow that that's, might be interesting because it's sort of the opposite of that in terms of it was someone I encountered. I guess it was like a, he was a coach. Trainer, coach, mentor, don't know, but he, um, I remember asking him what he was doing. I was like, "Oh, what do you have going on for the weekend?" And he goes, "I'm home alone, man. It's great. My wife's on vacation with the kids." And I said, It's <laughs> like, whoa. oh, you just stay back." He's like, "Yeah, they'll go out there, do their thing up by the lake, make some memories. It's great." <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, oh, whoa," and that <laughs> that was like a small comment that always stuck with me because I was like. This guy views doing things like making memories as just a task that is just sort of insignificant. Like it's the same as, like you know, painting your house. Like you know, she'll go out there, make some memories, come back, and that'll be good. That'll be fine.
3: Wow! Like (laughs) that stuck with me. Memory making is checked off the the to do list. (laughs) Yeah, he's got it
2: on a list, right? Like you're that. I see that as like you're you're using your notes or your um your memos function to record all these things and capture all these things to hold on to it, which is really beautiful. This guy doesn't do that. He just uses his his notes function and just mm. says me- making memories checked off. Like he <laughs> memories for him are things to be checked off. And I just was like, wow.
1: He's he's like, quota meant for
3: the meant for the month I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a step count. Wow. You could see yeah. why that stuck with me, right? But it's such a m- strange
2: yeah. It's almost like an alien. It's like an alien thing. Almost like humans like to make memories. I will do that. Damn. That
3: is, <laughs> or my or my wife will. <laughs> is, She'll make the my memories kids. for us. <laughs> She'll tell me about so them later. <laughs> Thanks for, for burning that into our hearts. That is so sad. Well, oh, Jesus. Maybe maybe I'll go next just
0: to pull us out of this this spiral here. Uh, so. You know, uh, I often go around my apartment and I think about like the times when I used to be able to have people over here and we used to throw these parties here and and not like wild ragers, just like kickbacks where we'd play games and just like check in every once in a while. And I remember every making time memories. I think about, yeah, making <laughs> real <laughs> memories, I think about two in particular, one where Pedro was there and he showed my ex how to make a uh, a jalapeno margarita and it was really good and really spicy. I think about that all the time. Um, <laughs> Can't the remember second it. One Must is... have been good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the second one is like I I always go into my living room and I remember this one moment where this guy I had never met he was like my roommate's friend. We were playing uh, like a version of I think it was Never Have I Ever or something like that where you had to like it's a card game so like they mix up the rules a little bit and for this one it was. Like you have to prompt somebody uh, Mm. by acting out something you've done that. um, And then you go around and everyone has to determine whether or not they've done it. And this guy was he grabbed his girlfriend and like laid her down on the couch. And then uh, this is very not safe for work, children. Um, So like turn (laughs) off Uh, if if you are under 21, like please step away from your headphones. But uh, so he mimed doing coke off her ass to like get us to guess that that is what he like. He's like, I've done this. Now tell me if you've done this. Um, And that's always the thing that I remember when I am in my living room, like completely unprompted. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to have people over again. Oh yeah, that one guy who mimed doing coke off his girlfriend's ass. Huh? And it's always the same thing. (laughs) Those weird memories are the ones that stay with you. The ones that you don't ask for, but are always there.
2: Sounds like, a, wow. was Father John Misty a guest at that party? That's who
0: it was. Maybe that's who, yeah, it was Father John Misty.
2: <laughs> yeah, Pierogi confirms. Just kidding. That was... Satire, satire alert, satire alert. <laughs>
1: don't don't add us, please. <laughs> Pager, you're the last one. Let us know. I mean, one thing that always sort of sticks, that always sort of comes back to me is when I was little, I would, up until the age of like 11, I think. I stayed at an aunt's house every day while my while my mom was working after school and she had this ranch and um, I was really the only kid there for a very long time. So I got really used to just sort of doing stuff on my own, entertaining myself. I mean, like she she wasn't neglectful or anything, but I didn't mind, you know, walking around the yard by myself. And she had this big, huge lot in the back of her house where there, and there was like a horse and chickens and all kinds of stuff in the back. And it's just one of the strongest memories, just every day sort of walking from the house out to where the animals were on my own, and there was this i mean it's it's some of my earliest memories, and it was probably the 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 first times in my life where I felt um like a person like mm-hmm. as a child- as a child, sort of realizing that like oh, like I am my own thing, like I am my own human, and so every now and again just I'll be like walking I don't know I don't know why it, what triggers it really but every now and again that same feeling will come back to me like even now and cool. I don't know what it, and I don't know what it is but it's like a really nice feeling just to sort of or at least for like a second or two just to like be like ah I'm a whole, just here on my own I exist yeah it's cool it's, there's some like weird affirmation to it but yeah like that's something that always kind of comes back to me where, where was that where did you grow up um, so I was born in Brawley, California. It's like out in the desert close to the border. Um, and then I lived in San Diego from 11 on. Cool. Um, so it's like a very rural agricultural area. Lots of space, lots of animals. Nice. Great. Yeah.
0: Everyone had like such profound stories. And here I am with my ridiculous thing about some <laughs> asshole
1: in my living room. Not even actually doing coke off anyone. anyone's ass, just acting it out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no one does that because they want to, I feel like. That's just not like you saw that in a movie and you, you were- do it,
3: he, You do it for the gram, Ryan. You do it for the gram. He needed you guys to think that he was cool. Yeah. Did everyone Badly. see that? Everyone get that? <laughs> when I feel like you'd be like, what is he miming? Like smelling his girlfriend's farts? What is? It? Why is his face in her butt? <laughs> I Whatever he was like it that ranty, was... Man. I kind of feel like that was the
0: consensus in the room. Pedro, were you at that party? I do you used remember, to come I to do, game nights.
1: I do remember playing this game. I don't remember if it was Pedro was busy teaching your ex-girlfriend how to make
3: mixed drinks or something like that, which is another conversation. This was, this was we need several... to follow up about that. We need to follow up about that. She's an ex for a reason.
0: No. Uh, no, this was even years before the show. Like, Pedro's always had this talent. We're just monetizing it now.
1: Basically. I I might, as well, I might as well put this to good use. <laughs> Josh is, well, yeah. Josh is a
2: really good listener. He's he's a very attentive, <laughs> thoughtful person, and he might single handedly destroy this podcast tonight. Stay tuned.
3: <laughs>
0: so, un- unfortunately, we have to uh, wrap up this conversation here, and we didn't even get to like some of the questions I wanted to ask about your previous uh, EP, Human Now, because I think there's like a fun contrast that we could have talked about between those two projects. Let's do um, it.
3: You guys got something going on tonight? Well, I thought we were hanging out. What the hell? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> this is my Friday night. This is, I live alone. What are we doing? Come on. We're hanging out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: let's get into it really quick. I mean, you you came out with two EPs in one year. They were only like four months apart, four or five months apart. Um, how did they contrast for you? Were they part of the same project or, or were you going to different places there?
3: They were they were kind of all like born of like one big batch of songs. I I like to write a lot and then call the herd um, and pull out like the best songs. So that was like I moved to LA and had like eleven songs and was like check me out and then signed a record deal and they were like that's my A and R um, was like that's really sweet. Like I need you to write fifty songs um, and then we can talk about like what is going to come out. So I was like, all right, damn it. So ended up <laughs> writing ended up writing like somewhere close to 60 um songs and yeah Record. and and there was like I mean a lot of them are bad. Um then you pick out you pick out the good ones, the ones that really speak, but the nice thing about that too is like over the course of the pandemic is I've been going back through those and being like, "Oh shit, that that song that's a, that's a great song. How come that one why didn't that one come out and um so those, you know, it's nice to have excess. There are a lot of them that's like, dear God, please remove <laughs> this song from my brain. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> so those those two EPs were kind of pulled from that same batch, but they were really intentionally picked as like, this is one set of emotions, this this is another. And uh I think they are really similar um in a lot of ways, but but distinct um <coughs> in in their scopes.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I read in your press release for Human Now that uh, a lot of those songs
3: were um, kind of inspired by the work of Joan Didion. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love pretty much everything she's done. There's an amazing interview that she just did for this new collection of essays that just came out, I think, a couple days ago. Um, Oh, damn, I need to add that. Really good. Um, There's this interview, though, that is like... She basically gives like one-word answers, um, and but in in a way that's really beautiful and like really really her, um, and the interview as the whole is like kind of says so much more than any of her specific answers to any questions. Um, but like, why she doesn't need to do press? She's Joan Didion. She's like a, a monument of American creative nonfiction. So yeah, there's a she talks a lot about like what did it mean to be me? Um, And that feels like such a great North star to follow as an artist in any medium, trying to communicate like, what did it mean to be, what did it feel like to be me? Um, So that was certainly human now. I mean, that's kind of the undercurrent of, of all the work that I do It's like, what's my experience here on this planet? I mean, should anyone care? Um, I don't know, maybe probably not, but, um, that's the only thing that you can really tell that is true and unique to yourself is what is your experience you can
1: never go wrong I don't know if anyone saw genuine. that but I just
0: spilled White Claw all over myself while you were talking that's how into it I was I got clawed
4: <laughs> <laughs> I got clawed
0: <laughs> what a millennial mm-hmm. thing what a, what a very 2021 thing but yeah I'm I'm also a huge fan of Joan Didion and I'm gonna have to check that out we will link that interview to um to the the, the, the liner notes so you know open that up give it a read everyone
2: slouching towards Summerland oh, yes. Nice. That's what we'll call it
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> that was great the way- that was really good that was really good
0: <laughs> <clears throat> alright so I kind of want to ask one more question before we wrap this up here um, I hear Josh that you host an Instagram live book club sure do So let's have a little book club really quick. Uh, And this is a good question for all of us. Is there a book you can recommend to our
3: listeners that would tell us the most about you as a person? The book club needs a little explaining the the Tuesday book club is this it's called shelf isolation. Um, And um, I run it with my (laughs) friend, Matt Thompson, who's um, the lead singer of a band from the UK called the Amazons. And it's we we it's all um music books. It's all music biographies and autobiographies. Um and we're coming up on a year and we've we've un uninterrupted every Tuesday for a whole year, um, which feels like a, a serious feat because everyone had a fucking podcast when the pandemic hit, um or some kind of book club, but we've we've hung in there um while everyone else has dropped like flies. But it's been such a good exercise in like learning so many. We all, you know, those of us that are in music or adjacent to music, we all have so many holes in our knowledge of bands, of eras. I had never really dug into Blondie or that whole scene in like in and around CBGB in New York, which of course I knew of, but like never really got into the intricacies of. Um, so we're reading Lisa Robinson's book right now. She was a, a, a critic and, and kind of like culture writer in that whole era of like New York 70s um, on tour with the Stones and and Bowie. So that's been amazing. To answer your question about which book, I think mine is East of Eden by John Steinbeck, one of my favorite books. Um being an East Coaster, a book set in the Salinas Valley of California was so foreign and romantic and exciting to me, and I felt like I read it at the perfect time, taking time off from college, like right in the middle of college and It's the story of three generation a generation of men in a single family and i have I have three brothers and um my dad has has two brothers um There's this kind of understanding of what is passed on and what you try to run from and what you reject and what is kind of inherently yours and inevitably yours just because of being born into the family and how you deal with those circumstances, how you run from them or embrace them. That felt frustratingly like my experience or just it felt so close. And there's a scene right in the middle where they almost name one of the youngest sons of the of the, the youngest generation, Joshua. And that's where I threw the book across the room and was like, Fuck this book. Get out of my head. Get out of my head, John Steinbeck. But and they then don't it replied,
1: name him. What are you doing, Joshua? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs>
0: I still haven't read East of Eden and don't hate me for that. Um but yeah, I will
3: I will one of these Too days, late. I promise. It's a big they, I mean it's a it's hard to read that's a that book is a commitment it's like 600 pages it's a big one.
0: Well I mean I just started Dune like last month so <laughs> same type of thing. That'll do yeah. But with with words that make no sense so you got to mm-hmm. keep going back to the glossary and being like what do they mean by this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah it's one of those it's like Lord of the Rings you have to have your fingers here and here at the same time uh, yeah, on both sides hard. of the book. That's
3: hard. That's like that when reading becomes an athletic activity. Oh, yeah.
0: um, I can go next. Uh, so I read this book uh, a few years ago. Ryan and Pedro introduced me to a secondhand bookstore in the valley called The Iliad. And back before COVID times, I loved to spend afternoons there when I wasn't working. Shit. Just going That just sounds going, so good. Yeah, just going through the shelves and seeing what grabbed me. And I came across this book (laughs) called um insomniac city by bill hayes it's a nonfiction story about this guy who lived in san francisco and then one night uh his partner just had a major heart attack next to him and died in his sleep so he was just suddenly confronted with the fact that the person who meant most to him was gone and the story is about him dealing with grief moving to New York City from San Francisco and starting to discover all of the little things in life that end up meaning so much. It's what we were talking about earlier, these flashbulb memories where at the time it seems like nothing, but they're the things that stay with you and the things that make you realize I am alive and I am glad I experienced this. And that's what I try to do every single day because it gets hard, especially in quarantine, to remember that you know, your life means something. You exist, and that means something. So I try to remember that all the time. Great book. So that's Insomniac City by Bill Hayes.
3: Sounds great. I mean, sounds, um, if you haven't read uh, Joan Didion's book, bringing it back to Joan, year of magical thinking about her. Love that book. Ugh, like, equally, I mean, devastating of sudden death compounded by more death um and her account of grief and the aftermath and her you know new outlook on life afterwards less optimistic than that one sounds
0: (laughs) oh yeah that one that one uh is not that optimistic until like the very end but i think it plays more into what you were saying about um things being happy and sad at the same time like you can't experience just one emotion at once totally but uh, Pedro, Ryan, uh, have you had enough
3: time to think?
2: Uh, let's pause for like 20 minutes.
3: Um... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have, it ha- doesn't have to be snobby either. I feel like a lot of times people take this kind of question and like go, so. Oh, mine won't be. Snobby. All right.
1: Excellent. <laughs> Love to hear it. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll go ahead and go. Mine is um, A Walk it In My Pocket by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> So it's the story about this kid who's finding all these crazy monsters and creatures just like everywhere in his house and all kinds of things. There's a, what is it? Like there's a fog under the rug. There's a rock. There's a walk in his pocket. There's, uh, there's a bunch of other rhymy names for them, but I don't know. I feel like I am made up words. I, they are completely all made up, but they're great. But I identify with it because I feel like I'm the kind of person who's always, I'll be going along, doing my thing, and things are fine, but I'm always kind of looking for that one thing that's going to fuck up my day or, you know, my month, my week, whatever. I'm looking for that, that walk-in in my pocket that's going to just ruin it all. So it just kind of, I connect with it. Love it.
2: Mm. Couldn't get through that one. It was too long.
3: <laughs> I, I feel like going back to the, like, things, flashes of memories... From the Sneeches, um, the Dr. I, Seuss book. Oh, yeah. That was going to be my other one. So good. I mean, talk about life lessons of acceptance. Yeah. But, but Sylvester McMonkey McBean, um, <laughs> the the like, <laughs> the talk about the sa- like the salesman guy, the salesman, the capitalist, <laughs> yeah, yeah, jackass that comes in. Um, that name, Sylvester McMonkey McBean, just like <laughs> that will blast
1: into your head every once in a while. And I mean, he he teaches them a great lesson, and he makes some money. Like makes nice. yeah he really he turns a profit <laughs> oh he fucked he fuck, he fucked them up but good they were broke as hell but you know what they were accepting each there's other and no that's what way, really matters there's no
3: way he paid his taxes uh, someone needs no. to fucking track him down that's why he's always on the move <laughs> yeah get him <laughs> eat the rich get him <laughs> tunes and tumblers eat the rich <laughs> all right Ryan let's hear it big
2: finish uh yeah I would just say. I think that uh, you guys should try reading the Bible for once. No, I, I like uh, <laughs> written by a good friend of mine. No, I I think the book, though, I would recommend that. I don't know that it necessarily describes me perfectly, but um, that I really relate to is uh, Role Models by John Waters, which is a book where he was published a few years ago and he kind of documents all of his idols and folks who influenced him and who he looked up to and it ranges from you know an amateur pornographer in san diego to johnny mathis and a barkeep at a very strange place in baltimore and he's just so that spoke to me so much because he's someone who's so unashamed in his influences and what he likes and i think um you know there's always this kind of hesitance to you know or to be ashamed or of like an influence, which is why the, your Dr. Seuss reference is so good, Pedro. Mm-hmm. So many people are concerned about, you know, well, actually I was I was really influenced by this, but not the cool thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I was influenced by Toby Keith, not Whiskey Town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? I love that he's just so upfront about that. And so I really relate to it and I sort of aspire to that openness. I That's suppose. so good.
3: I love that. Yeah. I think that about that a lot in music and a lot of times musicians... Yeah, the when when they're talking about their inspirations more like bragging. Mm. But I think I mean part of it is like distinguishing like sometimes there's a difference between like inspired by versus influenced by. Like I am influenced by Nickelback 100% because like mm. that's what was on the radio. Like that's when I was, you know, 12, 13, like that was absolutely around and the songs are undeniable. But even like the, you know, 80588 Empire Um, theme song like those are influences to you because like they were around and the same thing of like wow what the the trees that you grew up around pedro or like the landscape that was that was near you um was an influence just by its very fact of being like Mm -hmm. in proximity i think that's Mm -hmm. so true it's like you you don't get to choose what influences you. you kind of get to choose what inspires you but influences are important also
1: they always find their well way so. out. Yeah.
0: Uh, have we reached the point where we're going to stop hating Nickelback and realize that they're awesome? Has it been 20 years it's, yet? It's about time, man. It's about time.
4: <laughs> Let the I, revolution I quickly, begin.
0: I quickly, well, before we want to move on, um, talk about uh, non-pretension just slightly in music. I was thinking while you were talking about like uh, things that I love and that I keep coming back to, and one thing. One band in particular is Fountains of Wayne, the the masters behind Stacy's Mom, mm. but I love their entire discography because it is all about the banal and the mundane. They will write about getting a red dragon tattoo on their arm to impress a girl or like being bored and walking through a shopping mall. And my favorite song by them is one that I heard when I was 13, so this is like back in 2003. And I was laying on a bench at a swim meet in San Francisco and listening to this album that my friend gave me on like my Walkman while I was waiting for my event. And it took like a few songs for me to realize like, whoa, I fucking get it. I really get it. And the song was uh, all kinds of time. And it is a song about a, a football instant replay in the mind of the quarterback. He snaps the ball and he's about to throw it. And he realizes before he does that he has all kinds of time to make this play. And he, it's about everything that's going through his mind before he finds the receiver and throws it to him. And it is a gorgeous song. Cool. Just about like this brief moment in time in this guy's head.
3: I think that's great. Mm. I mean, in in anything, I definitely, as a songwriter, am inspired by like the little moments, the very, and, and I think the more, this isn't an original thought, um, but the more specific you can be somehow, the more universal you are too. And Sharon Bennett and says this, I know of like the more selfish you are, the more you end up serving your audience in the end. So Mm. like the, the more specific to your life and your very experience, the more you are actually relatable. So things like that songs like that are so the one that comes to mind to me is by spoon. Um, the song guitar about like throwing his throwing his guitar out the window of his girlfriend's apartment which is so specific but something about that is just so beautiful to me because it is because it's specific i guess i mean
1: the better you can paint a yeah, picture totally. the more See, it's just easier to connect with it that way.
0: Well, this has been such a great conversation, but I'm going to have to cut it short because Drew will hate us for all the editing that he has to do. <laughs> um, who's ready to move on to a little round of hashtag mood? Let's mood St- it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drew, hit that theme song. Wow,
4: wow, what's, the what's your mood? What's your hashtag? What is your mood?
0: What's your hashtag? As always, we gotta thank Jacob Jeffries and Jesse McGinty for that wonderful slice of Audio Heaven. But let's get to the game. Hashtag mood is a fun little exercise we like to play at the end of every show where we test our playlist making skills we head over to our hotline grab a message where someone left us a playlist suggestion this can be anything from it's raining in la to pierogi won't shut the hell up in the other room what music do you play to drown him out so let's head on over and hear what our uh fan has to say you have Hey, Toons and Tumblers, this is Chris, longtime listener, first-time caller. So onto my mood. It's the early 2000s. Your friends are all coming over to your place for a sleepover. The bagel bites are in the oven, the Sunny D's in the fridge, Dunkaroos are on the counter, and your mom's picking <laughs> oh. up the new Star Wars movie from Blockbuster. Mm. Your friends arrive, and you're all ready for an epic night. But when your mom gets home, you realize that instead of the Phantom Menace, she rented the Phantom of the Opera, and Blockbuster just closed. Oh. Oh. Can't wait to listen to the playlist, guys.
3: Oh, brutal, mom. I already,
1: I've already got one. Marron.
2: Well, well, first that's the of opposite all, of the Antonio Banderas meme. It's like the oh, oh <laughs> worse of that.
0: First of all, I love Joel Schumacher's um, version of of the Phantom of the Opera. Despite <laughs> what anyone may say, this will just be about me convincing Whatever. my friends to give it a shot. <laughs> Look. <laughs> You know, Joel Schumacher is the king of schlock, the the king of of Batman nipples. You um, can't deny it. Are we, playing a, or in the Are we playing a game? Are
1: we playing a game? I forgot. <laughs> I don't know what any of
3: those things mean. Wow, it's okay. They're inconsequential.
1: The schlock machine.
3: Okay. Well, the first the first one that really comes to mind. Um, Sleepover 2001. Trying to be. I mean, like sneaking who has the who has the explicit version of the CD trying to hide it from the parents that is s- feels so real to me Tommy Lore's house we were all in the room listening individually on our walkmans to the same to the same um record that record is all killer no filler some 41 and the Hell song yeah <laughs> and the song is Fat Lip um which There's some songs that just like, whether it's nostalgia or, or the tempo of the song that like, can just like get your blood moving. And that song in the same way that like, I think Sum 41 was one of those bands that did what ACDC did so well, where Mm -hmm. like the guitar, the guitar parts could be like a fucking freight train that you had Mm -hmm. no, you had no escape from. That were just huge, and I think Fatlip is that.
0: I've seen That's... some forty one twice: once at wow. BFD in the uh, uh, in the Bay Area around the time that their two thousand seven album came out, and they were awesome. And then I saw them at Warp Tour in twenty ten at the uh, Shoreline Amphitheater, and people tore up the seats during <laughs> Fatlip. I am not kidding; these things are wow. bolted down, and I was like watching from the grass up top. I'm like, are they? Are they tearing out the seats right now? Wow. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. I, I love that they're able to marry this like, you know, uh MTV pop punk with like heavy metal at the same time. So love good. it. So Maiden good.
2: and Priest are the gods that they praised. <laughs> is the line, mm-hmm. right? Is that the line? Yep. Something Maiden like and that.
1: Priest. Well,
2: Josh See, is gone.
1: Um, so I gotta go with I'm just a kid by simple plan. Nice. I mean it's just so straightforward. I mean, my mom just fucked up movie night. I'm just a kid. Life, I'm just a kid, and life is a nightmare. I hate my parents. I hate it all, and she's embarrassed me in front of my friends. So this is I, a great playlist. This yeah, is so I, good. I don't think I don't think I could pick any other song.
3: There was when I was in college, there was a band called the Downlow that played all early 2000s, um, like songs like this, like basically. Hell yeah. All the songs that you don't realize, you know all the words to. And they would send out a text to like 10 people saying we're playing tonight. And then within like an hour, there was like 150 people in the basement of this off-campus apartment. Um, And it was like, yeah, it was all of these Jimmy World. It was all of those songs. (laughs) And they were the coolest band on campus. That sounds amazing. So, um...
0: I guess I'll take it next. So I'm thinking about the sleepovers that I had when I was in high school and the music we would listen to if we thought we were being really edgy and this Bagel Bite Totino's pizza roll, <laughs> like throwing a VHS into the, into the player. I'm thinking of Pepper's Give It Up in particular. Um, I don't know if anyone's heard that, but it is uh, the song that goes... Why don't you have some dirty hot sex with me? Oh, just yeah, like, and now, and now yeah. we have to pay and now we have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have to remove that? I don't even know. But yeah, and there's like a little vignette in the middle where like some guy like comes home and catches his girlfriend with somebody else and she's just like, sorry, I thought it was you. Okay, I just listened to it again last night for the first time in like ten years. I'm like, huh. I thought I was so cool when I was a kid. Little did I know. <laughs> So that's that's the one from me.
2: That's a really good one. Everyone really stayed in the uh, stuck with the era there, but I'm afraid mm. I mine kind of strays from it a bit. This is a really interesting mood because I have a memory of a friend having like a big sleepover birthday and she it was sort of expected we were going to rent some edgy movies, you know? Like she was going to kind of turn off her parenting and like rent the bad stuff, like South Park episodes <laughs> or something like that. But instead, she rented Phantom of the Paradise, um, oh, which is a Brian De Palma film from the 70s, <laughs> which is a glam rock. It's like a horror glam rock take on Phantom of the Opera with John, cool. Will- with, or excuse me, Paul Williams, Paul Williams, Jessica Harper. I, I love the film now, but at the time, we were all kind of like, what in, what is this? <laughs> like, dodgeball's out. like You could be watching <laughs> dodgeball. And we're watching this movie, and she was pausing it and, and explaining, you know, the plot points. Anyway, there's I'm a great imagine, song. In it.
1: Imagining your friend's mom just standing there with her wine, like, right, right. out <laughs> with, <laughs> <laughs> buckle, just, up, hanging,
4: ki- buckle up,
0: kids. Hanging out with a bunch of thirteen-year-olds on a Friday night. <laughs>
1: just a couple, just yeah, just a, just a couple ice cubes in her chardonnay. <laughs>
2: She was doing the Daily Show, she, like an early version of the Daily Show news segments where she'd pause it, like freeze frame and go, now, okay, this is Swan. Now he's a bad man. Pay attention to him. And we were like, <laughs> ah. but God bless her because it's a fantastic film, but there's a great song good. called The Hell of It in there. That's The Hell of It, which is mm. a great one. Paul Williams wrote the music for this film, so uh, or most of the music for it, and it's brilliant. And I think that it's a great lament, I think. And it has some passion in it, and I think that captures the feeling of like you're expecting the Phantom Menace, and you got Phantom of the Opera or Phantom of the Paradise, and that's the hell of it. Sometimes you're not in control <laughs> of your fate. <laughs> cool. So that's the that's my that's my pick. I could have gone with God. I should have gone with like Lit or something, but this one just felt felt right.
3: No, that's you followed you followed it. <laughs> and and you, you saw said, it through. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I have this great. feeling. I have this feeling that post pandemic is going to feel like there's going to be a music boom boom like post 9 11 new york city and that we're going to have like that that intensity of music that came out of like the killers the strokes um the kings of leon like that the yeah yeah Yeahs. um i think post pandemic we are going to kind of come back to like 2001 in a lot of ways so mm. i'm en- i'm enjoying um this uh this hashtag mood, um thinking <laughs> about all of those bands. It's gonna be the Roaring
1: Twenties all over yeah, again. Totally. Pro- prohibition's over. Prohibition on
0: going outside. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, do you have a hashtag mood of your own? Leave us a message by calling the Tunes and Tumblers hotline at 626-604-6477. Let us soundtrack your therapy session. Drew is a great listener. Yep, there he is. <laughs> Well, we have come up to the end of the show. It is last call. The lights are on. The bartender is giving you this look like, like, why are you nursing this beer right now? And let's give each other our last thoughts. What's going on? What do you think about Summerland, about Terrence Malick creating prose poetry, visual (laughs) prose poetry? Uh, I'm I'm three white claws in. I'm sorry. What are your last (laughs) thoughts?
3: Bully clawed. (laughs) This is hey I love this guys this is it's nice to have friends for a Friday night um, <laughs> I think we should do this more often it's a blast come hang out oh man
0: yeah we have tentative plans to go to Clifton's with Luna Aura when this is all done you should
3: tag along oh my God sign me up where is everybody where where you guys are all here in Los Angeles um mm-hmm. indeed what what part of town is everybody in. And give me your social security card uh, number <laughs> while you're at it. Thanks. Appreciate it.
0: <laughs> well, if you go by the area code of the phone number, we all live in Sierra Madre. And that's, <laughs> that's how vague we keep it for the listeners. But I personally live in North Hollywood, but like not Arts District North Hollywood. I live in Chuck E. Cheese North Hollywood. So <laughs> find the nearest Chuck E. Cheese, and that is close to where I am.
3: You'll Did find you him it. at the bar. There's <laughs> there's a good one. There's a good Chuck E. Cheese in Koreatown that I tried to shoot a music video in uh, once upon a time, and they were like, absolutely not. Please get out Tra- of our... Their Charles does not having it.
4: it. We already
3: got a band, guy. Beat it. <laughs> get out of here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Just oh get the 10 and get out of here.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, Josh... Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. I have to say, um, personally, you came across my radar when Apple Music was like, you should listen to Bad Night. And boy, did I listen to Bad Night. That is a a fucking great song. We're putting that on the playlist. That's why I'm mentioning it. But (laughs) uh, I empathize with that lyric so much about being alone because you pushed all your friends away. And I'm like, damn, I'm going to lay down. I'm going to turn up my headphones really loud on the bed and I'm just going to cry a little bit. So thank you for that. <laughs> it's good I...
3: to do. It's good to do every once in a while.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, before we go, Josh, do you have anything to plug right
3: now? <laughs> There's uh we talked a little bit about the book club, um, shelf isolation that happens on Instagram live on Tuesdays at noon Pacific or 8 PM GMT. If you're in the UK, um, There's a song coming out on February 26th, I believe, um, that'll be sort of the first single of a batch of songs that will roll through the rest of this year that I'm very excited about. So keep keep your eyes out for that.
0: Mark your calendars, pre-save, and listen.
3: Thank you again, Josh. This has been a great talk. Thank you, guys. This has been such a good time. It's nice to hang out with my three best friends.
4: <laughs> right back at you josh Seriously. thanks, for, thanks coming, for coming josh <laughs> <This has been laughs> great. and
0: thank you all for listening to Toons and tumblers Toons and tumblers is an atwood magazine podcast be sure to like the show and atwood on every platform also please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast it helps us out so much because the algorithm uh, only pushes people who are like joe rogan and Tunes and Tumblers was produced, as always, by Drew Franzblau. Our theme song is by New New Girlfriend. Our hashtag mood jingle comes to us from Jacob Jeffries and Jesse McGinty. And until next time, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
4: Cheers. Cheers. Progressive presents
5: Adjusting to the Suburbs.
1: I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house in the suburbs. But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer and I wonder, am I the fertilizer guy now? (laughs) No, no way. Everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen, right? Yeah, I'm still totally cool.
2: Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home at auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.